you open your Bibles first to Luke chapter 6, ask you a question. Who's had sweet corn so far this summer? Anybody? Boy, not very many. We had we have family here this week, so we had to have sweet corn because they don't have any in Florida. So, But here's a question. When you have it, how do you know good sweet corn when you bite into it? Now you're all thinking about that this morning, aren't you? It meets your expectations, doesn't it? What you expected to get is what you got. You have certain standards for what rates with sweet corn with you. And if it met it, it was good sweet corn, wasn't it? Now here's a different question. How do you know when you've been a good person? Interesting, most people would say, when I meet what I think are my standards of goodness. When I fulfill the expectations for goodness that I think match goodness. Here's an interesting quote. See if you agree with this. Sounds good. It's called From Best Quotes for You. Believe in your heart that something wonderful is about to happen. Love your life. Believe in your own powers and your own potential and in your own goodness. Wake every morning with the awe of just being alive. Live this day well. Interesting. Believe in your own power, in your own goodness. Can we produce our own goodness? And you're all going to give the spiritual answer, oh no. And yet that's normally what we try to do, of what we think goodness is. Let's see if we can figure that out this morning. We are basically looking at this verse in John 15, 8 occasionally. That reminds us, here's our test for how well we're doing at being disciples of Jesus Christ. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. And that proves that you're his disciples. I remind you also in this verse, it reminds you what the purpose of a disciple is. A purpose of a disciple is to glorify the Father. But we need to bear much fruit. And so we've been talking about the way in our Christian lives we do that. And it's by displaying the fruit of the Spirit is the main way we bear much fruit. And Galatians 5, where the fruit of the Spirit is found, give us some phrases to tell us what decisions we have to make to display the fruit of the Spirit. We have to walk by the Spirit and we won't gratify the desires of the flesh. We have to live by the Spirit. We have to keep in step with the Spirit. Another phrase in there, be led by the Spirit. We've reminded ourselves, if you've accepted Christ as Savior, you have the Holy Spirit in you and He's constantly communicating with you, trying to help you understand what you should and shouldn't do. And the only way to do what he wants you to do is be in partnership with him, be in harmony with him, focus your heart and mind on what he's saying, and then obey it. And as we do that, as the Spirit works, here's what comes out. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so we're looking at each aspect of this fruit, understanding when the Holy Spirit works, this is a package deal. This is what it looks like together in our lives. And we also know from Galatians 5, we're not given this fruit so we look so spiritual, so we look so religious. We're given this fruit to serve other people. Because that's what the Spirit is enabling us to do. So we started with love, the basis for serving, the one that includes all of the other characteristics of the fruit. When we display God's love with the Spirit's help and choose what to do what's best for God and for others, we're normally, naturally, we'll choose what's best for us. 
and will do that gladly when the Spirit is working with joy, with a positive attitude, with pleasure, with delight. When we serve people with the Holy Spirit's help, we will enjoy serving. It won't be a drudgery. And we'll have peace with God, yes, with other people. That will be our desire, to be at peace with them, to make peace with them, to have them make peace with others, not to sow discord with other individuals. And we'll be demonstrating patience with people. The word long-suffering, which means we'll deal with our anger biblically with the Spirit's help. We will be dispensing mercy to others. That's what patience does. And we'll do this with kindness. That was our word from last week. Based on a word gracious, it means we'll be useful to others and show tender concern for others. Now you're in Luke 6. One of the verses we were at last week was verse 35. It says this, But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. We remind ourselves that kindness really is of God, and so to imitate His kindness, we're to be kind. But part of that in verse 35 is the next aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. It says, do good, show goodness. So goodness and kindness are closely connected as you go through the New Testament. The word of itself The Greek word just means uprightness of heart and life. Sounds like a nice word. That's what goodness is. But in context in the New Testament, when this word is used, it's always goodness for the benefit of other people. Please keep that in mind. Most of our goodness is not for that reason. This is used for the benefit of others. Now, all of you were naturally good from birth, correct? You get up in the morning and you're just a good person when you first get out of bed. You have no problems with that. And we understand that's not even close, is it? This is a difficulty for us because it's not natural. It's not normal. Paul says in Romans 7, I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. I have the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. I do not the good I want, but the evil I don't want is what I keep on doing. That's our natural state, isn't it? Isaiah 64, 6. All my righteous acts are like filthy rags. I can't do anything in and of myself that's righteous, that's good. And the reason for that is because this aspect is something distinctively of God. We'll look at Luke 18 later, but Jesus said, no one's good but God alone. This is something completely only distinctive of God. James says this, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Everything good comes down from above. A different translation says every generous act. Every good thing and every act that brings good things only comes down from the Father. I can't do any of this naturally of myself. Without God's work in me, goodness will never really come out. And so the reason we have goodness is, why it's part of the fruit of the Spirit is, it must be directed by God. You may look at the screen and say, what is Genesis 1 doing up there with goodness? 
After every day that God created, what did he say? And God said it was, and then it was good, it was good. Last thing it was, very good. What did the days have to do with goodness? Well, when God directs something, it meets his expectations for what goodness is. Some of you are going to wonder, how will I know when I'm a good person? When it's directed by God, it will meet his expectations and it will show true goodness. That's why this has to be of the Spirit. It has to be directed and focused by the Spirit or we can't do what goodness really is. It's only of God. Now, our question we ask every time, how many people do you think God expects me to show goodness to? What would your guess be? Everyone. There are no exceptions. Galatians 6, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith, especially to other believers. But it's one of those things like all the rest of them. We were supposed to, whoever it is, love our neighbor, our enemy, love everybody, rejoice the Lord always, live peacefully with all people, patient with all, kind to everyone. The Holy Spirit's not going to say, you can be kind to these people, but not these everybody's part of the pool that we're supposed to be showing God's kindness to. Now, we'll be back to Luke 6. We'll go to Luke 15. Our phrase in Luke 6 says that I was supposed to do good. Do good and lend, right? And there are two ways that I can do good. One is by trying to be good. And one, the other is by the fruit of goodness. That's your two options for doing good when you see this phrase in the New Testament. You're in Luke 15, verse 11. We're not going to read the whole section, but you know this is a parable, right? And most of your study Bibles have the same label on it. And it probably says the parable of the prodigal son. But then verse 11 says a man who had two sons. This is not just about one son. This is about two sons. They're both prodigals, but in different ways. And I want you to keep these two guys in mind as we're going to look at the differences between being good and the fruit of goodness. First, you have the younger son. And the younger son evidently had been good, was being good for his father while he was there, and he figured he'd been good enough to say to his father, give me the share of the property that's coming to me. Give me my inheritance. I've been good by your standards but now I want to show you what I think. And he takes it, and what's he do in verse 13? The younger son gathered all he had, took a journey to a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. Did being good mean he, means he agreed with the father's standard of goodness? The answer is not at all. In fact, he demonstrated that when he got on his own. His older brother in verse 30 says, You've been, he was with prostitutes. And so being good while he was there with the Father didn't necessarily mean he was practicing goodness. And so we understand without the prodigal son, right? He finally comes to his senses and comes back. But what about the older son? What's he been doing the whole time? Down to verse 25, when the younger son comes back, the older son is in the field. What's he doing? He's being good. He's trying to do what looks good because he says in verse 29, look, to his father, these many years I've served you. I've never disobeyed your command, but you never gave me anything. 
He was being good. He expected he should get something extra for how good he's been over the years. And yet, does he agree with the Father's idea of goodness? The answer is no. When the Father shows goodness to the younger son, the older son completely disagrees with what the Father is doing. Being good didn't mean he was showing goodness. He was meeting his own standards. Got these two guys in your mind? These are our example of being good. Now go back to Luke 6. What are the two ways we try to do good? Verse 43 of Luke 6. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Now, the first thing looks like it's not a difference because what, what you do is good or evil comes out of the heart. So if I'm being good, it's out of the same heart, isn't it? The answer is no. All my righteous acts are like what? They're not even good at all. So when I'm trying to be good, the evil heart is the one who's trying to produce his own goodness. Doesn't work. The other heart is the good heart. Well, how did that happen? Just flip over to Luke 8. The parable of the sower and the seed. Remember the different soils and the seeds? And the last soil was good soil in verse 8. Good soil that grew and yielded a hundredfold. Well, how did it bear fruit? How did it get to be a good heart? Jesus explains that in verse 15. As for those in the good, that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. What's the difference between being good and good and being the fruit of goodness? One comes out of a heart that tries to manufacture its own standard of goodness. The other comes out of a heart that's been changed by the Word of God and therefore can then bear fruit that God wants it to bear. It's not doing it of its own. It's producing fruit from the seed, which was the Word of God. Not the same. Look back in verse 27. Second difference. But I say to you here, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Verse 33, if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefits that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credits that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good. Well, what's the difference here? Being good means I'll be good to those who are good to me. I'll pick and choose. This person deserves my goodness. This person does not. Or I'll do something for this person and they then can do something for me. That's being good. The other side was what? It's opportunity-oriented, whether they're enemies, whether they're sinners. Verse 30 says, give to everyone who begs from you. Wherever the opportunity, whether they can do something back from me or not, means nothing. If it's of God, I will show goodness to them. If it's of me, I'll pick and choose who deserves my goodness. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6. Jesus says this, 
Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you'll have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. Then, Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. They got what they wanted. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When I'm being good, I want somebody else to see it. If I'm going to put this effort into being good, I want somebody to acknowledge I did that. I want somebody to praise me for what I did. I want some acknowledgement for what I did. That's being good. The other side, I may get acknowledged for it. But ultimately, I just want the Father to be pleased with what I do. I don't worry about what anybody else says or sees. Being good or goodness. Go over to Luke 18. You had a young ruler who had a question about this. Luke 18, 18. A ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And this is where Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one's good except God alone. And you wonder, why did Jesus say that? Jesus is giving him opportunity to declare that he's God. To confess that Jesus is God and the young ruler won't do that. He's got a different agenda. And so Jesus says, fine, this, you know the commandments. Don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And the ruler said, I've kept all these from my youth. I've been good. I've fulfilled the basic requirements, the rules or regulations. I've got my list for what I think goodness is. And if I meet that list, I was good. I came to church this morning. Check it off. Double check. I'd listen to Pastor Brock. I'd get two checks for that one. (laughs) I've surely been good. Really? Because Jesus says this. All right, here's what it's really about. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. Sell all you have and distribute to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. The fruit of goodness is from following Christ, being led by the Spirit. He says, you want to check out your goodness? What are you doing in relation to the poor? Well, that wasn't on his standard. He thought his list was what it meant. He's trying to be good. Wasn't interested in true goodness. Go back to Matthew chapter 23. In Jesus' day, if you wanted to figure out what goodness looked like, there was a group of people you would check out. Who was that? Who'd you look for? Some of you know, you look for the Pharisees. The Pharisees met the standard of goodness that everybody in that culture had. That's why the disciples are amazed when Jesus says something against the Pharisees. Because they all thought, that's the standard. If you want to know what goodness is like, you watch a Pharisee. Verse 23 of chapter 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You tithe mint and dill and cumin. You've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. We'll talk about that one next week. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. 
Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. If I'm being good, all I'm interested in is I look good to others. I want my appearance to look spiritual. But the fruit of goodness means it comes from inside out. I'm interested in the weightier matters, he says. Justice, mercy, faithfulness. You spent a lot of time this morning coming here and looking good, didn't you? What did you do about the inside before you came? Did you come to be good? Or did you come to have the Holy Spirit show His goodness through you and your insides ready for that? Is there a difference? There's a major difference. You look at the two lists and you see we do a lot of things that look pretty good, don't they? But most of what we do for goodness is to benefit ourselves. To make us look good. To get something back from others. To not lose something from other people. It's all in mind what's going to be best for us. But the fruit of goodness will be doing the right thing for the right reason, motivated and directed by the Holy Spirit. That's a whole different thing. It comes from the inside out. Parents, help your kids not just try to be good. Help them understand from Scripture why they should be living this out. That it has to do with God, not just looking good so we don't look like bad parents or bad grandparents. And it's a hard thing for us, isn't it? Because even as adults, we fall into this trap of trying to manufacture our own goodness when all we have to do is listen to the Holy Spirit apply this to us and the fruit of goodness comes out in the right way to the right people at the right time. Well, let's see if we can recognize this more. How do I recognize when this fruit of goodness is coming out for the Holy Spirit? First Peter 3 says this, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? How do I know it's the fruit of goodness? This is something I really want to do. It's not, I don't have an ulterior motive. I'm not trying to manufacture it. I am motivated by the Holy Spirit to show something good to somebody else. And it's of me, not from them. In Galatians, before the fruit of the Spirit came up, it says this, the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. Those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. If you're truly born again, you truly have the Holy Spirit, you want to do the right things. The flesh is what's trying to get you to do the things you really shouldn't want to do. When I think of this, I think of Dorcas. We love that name, don't we? A lady in, called in Joppa named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. And remember when she dies, all the widows are just beside themselves. Because this disciple named Tabitha showed the fruit of goodness. She was full of that. And it made a difference. The rest of the verse says this, having a good conscience of them when you are slandered, 
those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. When I'm just being good, I'll match whatever I'm doing to the standard everybody around agrees with, and nobody will have a problem with it. When I'm showing God's goodness, somebody will probably have a problem with it. So he says, you're going to suffer for doing good. You're going to have your good behavior reviled by others. It's going to affect them. Being good doesn't affect them at all. Showing God's goodness, they react sometimes very negative to them. That's how I know it's of the Spirit, not of me. Turn over to Romans 12. Familiar passage. Romans 12, on the screens, Ephesians 5, which reminds us at one time we were darkness before we were saved. Now we're light, of the Lord, light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And some of you know that word walk is in the day, your normal routine, your normal day. How do I know this is the fruit of goodness? If I'm walking in the Spirit, living by the Spirit, this becomes a normal process. We're not talking perfection. We're talking listening and obeying. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. That becomes my motivation. What pleases God. That's why I know it's the fruit of goodness, not me trying to look good. You're in Romans 12. Most of you have memorized verses 1 and 2, haven't you? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Present your body a living sacrifice. Can I remind you that sacrifices are not what you do? That's being good. I'm sacrificing for God. Wrong. You're to present your body a living sacrifice. Walk in the Spirit, and your body is always available for His use. And then I'm not conformed to the world's standards. I don't live by the standards the world says be good by. God's standards are different. So I need to be transformed by renewing my mind. And who does that? You can answer out loud. Who renews my mind? The Holy Spirit. That's His job. And then I'll just be good, right? Look at chapters 12 and 13 and see what goodness looks like. What does what is good look like? You look at verses 3 to 8. And it deals with spiritual gifts. Verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Question, using your spiritual gifts in the body? Who gives spiritual gifts? The Holy Spirit. Showing the fruit of goodness means I'm using my gift within the body. I'm serving somewhere. Verse 9, let love be genuine. Abhor that what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Well, what am I holding fast to? Verse 10, loving one another, brotherly affection. Outdoing one another and showing honor. Not being slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Constant in prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints. 
That's what holding to goodness is. Verses 17 to 20, I won't try to get people back for what they do to me. Revenge, retaliate, right? Verse 21, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's the fruit of goodness. Chapter 13, the first seven verses have to do with submission to all authority in my life. What does that have to do with goodness? Look at verse 3. Rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you'll receive his approval. Do we understand being subject to authority means we do good to them and that makes their job easier? No matter who your authority is, show goodness to your boss to make his job easier. Well, that's not my job. My job is to make his job harder, right? Not when the Spirit's working. Kids, obey your parents. Why? To make their job easier? That's what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. 8 to 10. Love each other. Verse 10. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling the law. This all is summed up in verse 13 and 14. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies, drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. How do I put on Christ? Only with the help of the Holy Spirit. I'm to show His goodness, not try to show my goodness. Look over in Ephesians chapter 4. Again, we're trying to see how this fruit of goodness is demonstrated. Verses 22 and 24 say the same thing we just saw. Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Then what happens? How does goodness show itself? Verse 25, put away falsehood and speak truth to your neighbor. So it's not enough not to just not lie to them. When I be good, I just won't lie, but I won't speak the truth. If it's the fruit of goodness, I won't lie, and I will speak the truth. Verse 15 says, with love. Verse 18, let the thief no longer steal. So when I'm being good, I just won't steal. But when the fruit of goodness works, I'll do honest work with his own hands that he may have something to share with somebody in need. I'll do something positive for somebody. When I'm being good, verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, so I just won't say anything bad. When the fruit of goodness then is working, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. See the difference? One is just not trying to do bad things, try to be good. The other is the fruit of the Spirit which means I'll still not do those things, but I'll also then start doing something positive, something that benefits other people. When I see this, I think of Barnabas. Remember Barnabas? The church sent Barnabas to Antioch, and he came and saw the grace of God. He was glad and exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit of faith. There's your definition of a good man. You want a definition of a good man? Full of the Holy Spirit and his faith. Because we can't do that on our own. And because of that, what was Barnabas? His real name was Joseph. 
They renamed him Barnabas because he encouraged everybody else. And again, we're reminded here, it wasn't because he was such a good guy. It's because he was full of the Holy Spirit. He listened to the Holy Spirit and obeyed the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, what an encourager. He sells all of his property and gives it to the poor because he was such a great guy, right? No. He walked by the Spirit. Here it says he saw the grace of God because he's full of the Spirit. He sees the positive things in ministry, not the negative things. And because of that, the next two verses, what he does, he goes and looks for Saul who became Paul. Nobody else would get anywhere near him because they were scared to death of Paul. But Barnabas listened to the Holy Spirit. He goes and meets gets Saul, who becomes Paul, and he stays with him for a year, discipling this guy. What did he get Barnabas out of the Scriptures? Paul becomes prominent, but Barnabas now becomes, he disappears. And you know what? Doesn't care. He wasn't in it, so everybody would recognize what a great guy Barnabas was. He wanted to show God's goodness. Do you understand why this aspect is so important that we listen to the Holy Spirit and do what He says from Scripture to show what goodness is? Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works, but give glory to your Father in heaven. The purpose of a disciple is to glorify the Father, not glorify ourselves. And most of our goodness is used to try to glorify ourselves. That shows it's not a God. When it's of God, it glorifies God. Why else is it important? Well, we're supposed to do good to everybody. Why? Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up. Eventually, you will see spiritual impact from showing God's goodness to others. It impacts other people. Sometimes, though, it takes a long time for it to come in. But I remind you, we're supposed to be bearing much fruit, not just little pieces of it. Much fruit. And Paul says this in Romans 15, I'm satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness. Well, how does he know that? Because you're filled with all knowledge and you're able to instruct one another. You're practicing discipleship with each other. You're making disciples because this is what proves you're my disciples. You bear much fruit. So when you leave here today, do good. But you've got two ways you can try it. You can just try to be good the way you think works. Or you can ask the Holy Spirit, help me put Scripture into practice. So it's of you and not of me. Makes a big difference. Let's pray for help. Father, we know you are the only good one. All goodness comes from you. Any ability we have to show goodness, to do good things, only comes from your Spirit working through us. Help us to listen better. Help us to obey better. Help us not be so interested in how we look to others 
but more interested how you look through us to others. We pray this in the name of your Son. Amen.